what interesting experience had you had with the Michigan Marriage Pact? One of my friends who he's been hanging out with, they matched on Marriage Pact and they'd been hanging out for three weeks previously and then they matched. Well, one of my friends matched with someone they were already dating. One of my friends matched with their GSI. Um, well, my match was like 99.93% compatible or something. So that was kind of cool, but. And are you going to reach out? I should, but will it happen? Probably not. I don't have anything specific, which is the heartbreaking truth. I wish I would have done it because I missed the deadline. I checked at 12.35. Page wasn't open anymore. Dropped my phone and I cried. But I think that it's a great idea. And, I, you know, maybe I would have wanted to do it and got matched up with somebody, you know, that I could really bond with and really grow with and maybe flourish, maybe, you know, make a prolific life with. But, you know, <laughs> there's always next year, you know. As the holiday season approaches, so too does cuffing season. Many students are longing for that warm, fuzzy feeling that only a new crush can bring. The Michigan Daily Statement section recently released their annual sex survey, which found that about 38% of students hadn't had any sex this semester. For those still trying to get lucky before the year ends, fear no longer because the Michigan Marriage Pact is back. Whether out of loneliness, lust, curiosity, or just plain boredom, some students chose to fill out the Michigan Marriage Pact in search of a new partner or some excitement as this semester comes to a close. In this episode, we talk to students about their Michigan Marriage Pact experiences and interview Liam McGregor, the student ambassador to the program, about the origins and the future of the pact. I'm your host, Sophia Terenzio. Stay tuned. <laughs> Content producer Sky Lee interviewed the student lead of the Michigan Marriage Pact, Liam McGregor. How did the idea of the Michigan Marriage Pact come up? The Michigan Marriage Pact started in 2019. Basically, there were some people on campus. Uh, one of them had a sister that went to Stanford at the time. And uh, her sister had said uh, of, of the Marriage Pact at Stanford that like it's crazy. It's what everyone here looks forward to every year. And so... Uh, they sort of said, you know, hey, could we like make this happen in Michigan? And so, uh, yeah. And in the first year, uh, a little more than 7,000 students signed up for the Michigan Marriage Pact. Um, and it's just been off to the races. I mean, this year, 10,635 students signed up. And how has the Michigan Marriage Pact evolved since its beginnings three years ago? Uh, I mean, obviously, like the the reach is part of it, right? And, and I, th- I think to me, the most amazing part is the stories. And, and yeah, I mean, the algorithm has changed over time. Um, and every year we just try to do a little bit better. So how is the Michigan Marriage Pact different from like other dating apps? We don't think of the Michigan Marriage Pact as a dating app because it bears almost no resemblance to a dating app. I mean, sure, like, you know, there's the potential for a dating outcome. But the truth is that if you're trying to find someone to hook up with, the Michigan Marriage Pact is the single worst possible tool you can use. Because, for example, it explicitly rejects anything having to do with what you look like. What it's sort of saying is, hey, look, if you turn 35 and as a career-minded individual, you're out there killing it. And you sort of say, oh my gosh, everybody's getting married. What do I do? Um, What'll matter is not necessarily if someone was 5'11 or 6 feet tall. What'll matter is who are they deep down and do they have the potential to be a great partner or companion for 50 years? 
And so, yeah, I mean, like, if you look at it in, in structure, it's almost entirely unlike any of the traditional tools we use to interact with our friends or go on dates, right? There's no profile. Like you don't, you don't, you know, uh, choose any photos. There's no search. There's no swiping. It's, it's basically, it's basically entirely different. We do sometimes like you look at dating apps for comparison. I'll give you an example. Um, only one to 2% of matches on dating apps ever meet up in person. But we found that in the marriage pact, actually 30% of matches have met up in person so far. And actually three to 4% of matches hit the lottery. And when we followed up a year later, we're still dating their match from last year. You don't need to date your match to have a good time. A great experience with the Michigan marriage pact can be a great story. It can be sitting around a table with your friends and like talking about the questions. And it can be, it could be focusing on the most important relationship in your life, which is the relationship you have with yourself, right? And just getting to know yourself a little bit better. And so there are a lot of different ways that people experience the marriage pact. Who curates these questions and how do you guys determine uh, the best questions to ask to find a match for everyone? We're thinking about that year round. We're thinking, yeah, what questions get at who you are deep down, right? What questions get at things that are important in long-term relationships? Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's an effort across a bunch of different people thinking about different things. And so we have a small team of you know, students across a few different schools who are relationship scientists, and they think all day long about what matters in long-term relationships. We've also seen sort of from the data over the last five years, hey, like, here's what matters to people, right? Here's what predicts long-term relationships. Here's what doesn't. And so we have a little bit bit of perspective about what matters in general. But then the critical thing is we want to build the Michigan marriage path, right? And what matters to Michigan students is different than what matters to Georgetown students or what matters to Stanford students, right? And so the critical thing is is that there's a collaboration between Michigan students and like these relationship scientists to choose the questions that... uh, best reflect what matters to the Michigan community. How exactly are matches determined? Um, What type of answers do the algorithm look for when making matches? Ultimately, we look at compatibility. And specifically, we're looking at a few different areas. One is we look at your personality. Um, We also look at your values, which are specifically kind of these unchanging uh, or generally unchanging, uh, you know, more deeply held beliefs about the world. And then we also look at um, the kind of life that you want to lead and the kind of life you want to build. Um, And finally, we look at the kind of life you want to build together. And so it's a combination of looking at these different areas uh, that ultimately leads us to build uh, the questionnaire. But are there any successful matches or stories that have come out of the Michigan Marriage Pact? Um, We had one person who matched with their boyfriend, which was so cute. She messaged us straight away and was like, I knew the moment the initials came out and we FaceTimed. <laughs> and that was so cute. Um, there are other people, what, some people have gotten the same match multiple years in a row. <laughs> some people have been very excited about that. Others, <laughs> dismayed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the algorithm is trying to tell them something. 
Maybe it's a sign, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, I know that there's like an uneven uh, female to male ratio that's taking the Michigan Marriage Pact. So how are you guys combating this, uh, this issue? We, yeah, we deployed a battery of tactics towards the end of the last few days to sort of encourage uh, people to help even out the gender ratio. And actually at the end of the day, um, out of 10,635 total participants, there were only a couple hundred um, sort of imbalance. And so all considered uh, relatively balanced given an experiment at that scale. Um, what kind of legacy do you kind of want the Michigan Marriage Pact to um, leave for others and for those who take it? Michigan has so many amazing traditions and especially winning championships, <laughs> or, or at least hopefully, fingers crossed, not to speak too soon. Michigan is such an amazing community. I, I think for the Michigan Marriage Pact to be perhaps one of the biggest traditions at Michigan would just be beautiful. It would be absolutely wonderful. Ultimately, though, I think of the Michigan Marriage Pact as something that happens you know, once a year and you get the chance to like, look forward to it. You go through it with your friends. And ultimately, I think many people will remember their stories for years into the future. And I think having that kind of opportunity to, uh, I guess, make your existing friendships more meaningful by going through an experience together, um, potentially hit the lottery, right? But if not, at least have the chance to explore yourself a little bit. Uh, I think if the marriage pact can stand for meaningful relationships in your life uh, and, and help create just a little bit more meaning through relationships, that would be I think the legacy I hope to have. Up next, executive producer Gerald Sill interviewed students about their Michigan Marriage Pact experiences. Here's what they had to say. Uh, so I'm Sam Dunlap. I'm a senior here at the university and I'm studying computer science. Uh, my name is Bridget. I'm a junior and I'm double majoring in BCN and communications. Have you done um, any of the previous year's marriage pacts? No, this is my first year doing the marriage pact. Yeah, I've done all of them. Uh, and what were your experiences like um, during these previous uh, years marriage packs? Uh, so the first, the first year was the year I got the highest percentage match of the three. Um, I got a ninety-five, I want to say, percent match. <clears throat> and um, I actually met up with that person. We uh, exchanged quite a few text messages over the course of, I don't know, about a week, and then we decided to go to Starbucks together and just like meet in person. Um, by that point, we had pretty much hashed out that we were not interested in like anything beyond being just friends, but that was kind of, uh, how that progressed. Um, uh, the second year, um, we texted for a while, but, um, eventually she seemed very uninterested. I'm guessing because I, it, it kind of became clear that I was like somewhat like religious. And so she was like, mm, not for me. Uh, cause we also, we weren't that high of a match. It was like 80%. So, uh, and then this past, like this past year, just like a couple DMS, I guess. What were your expectations kind of going into it? What was your, your reason for filling it out? Um, my reason for filling it out wasn't necessarily to find a match or someone, you know, to get married to. I think, um, Michigan's such a big school and, it does feel small sometimes, but any way to like connect it, um, 
even more, meet someone new, or, you know, if you get paired with like a mutual friend or just to meet new people. One of one of my friends uh, said the other day that like, of course, he would try and ask this person on a date because it couldn't be any worse than the Tinder date. And I think that's probably the best way to put it. I mean, like, you at least know that your personalities are somewhat similar. Because um, I think the questions that they ask are pretty, uh, pretty well tailored to figure out what kind of person someone is. So I think that uh, I, I definitely would. I'm, I definitely wouldn't say no. I definitely wouldn't say yes. I'm like super interested in pursuing someone romantically. Like, I mean, obviously, if, if there's like a connection, there's a connection, you go for it. But I don't say that I don't, I don't think there's like the expectation of that, though. For those who might not have done the marriage pack, what were some of the questions um, that they asked? Yeah, so um, the questions kind of covered different aspects of your personality and like preferences. So they ask for political leanings um, to whether it's important to you to make more money than a partner. Um, it asks you about like romantic preferences, all sorts of things like that. And, and what was the experience like kind of uh, filling it out together? Um, it was really fun, actually, because some of the questions threw us off with how personal they got. So it was just interesting to reflect on it out loud with your friends, um, because I think that dating is can be a very personal thing between you and whoever it is that you're interested in, but kind of going over what you look for in a significant other or partner with your friends out loud is really cool because it brings you close at a different level, just kind of getting to discuss things that maybe wouldn't be normal conversation topic at movie night. Uh, what was your reaction to your marriage pact? And, and um, you mentioned uh, filling it out with your friends. Did you also open the marriage pact matches with your friends as well? We actually got the initials at the same time when the marriage pact sent out the little sneak peek, which was interesting because we were kind of going through people that we knew with those initials, just trying to have fun with it. Um, but the matches came out later that night um, when I was alone and um, I didn't know the person that I matched with, but it was exciting. I just, that was the only feeling that I got, you know, it was really cool that the algorithm was able to put me and someone, a total stranger together. And I like how they give you the compatibility score. I thought that was very interesting. I just like immediately looked on Instagram uh, to see if I could find them. Uh, and then it's like, as soon as we got it, like sending out, like once we found, found like the person's Instagram, who we like thought they were, cause obviously like there's a chance that it's the wrong person, especially when you don't have any like shared followers. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Um, but then we immediately like would share in our group chat, like someone's Instagram and like, uh, just like pass around, pass around your phone to people and like, hope to God they don't like, like their posts. Uh, and then, and then you gotta like, you gotta play it cool and not, not like add them on Instagram immediately you have to use the because the, all they give you is the email. So you can't like show that you stalk them. Right. So you have to go and uh, email them uh, and then be like, Hey, like what's your Instagram? Even though you already know what it is, you know, got to play the game a little bit. How do you kind of decide, um, you know, who's going to reach out or, or when to reach out or anything like that? I definitely don't think that there's an order to who should reach out first. I think that that's really stupid. And this is the 21st century. Um, because I think that gender differences between men and women tend to be a lot more constructed than they are real. So I think that the idea that one should reach out first is 
has kind of just been hammered into our brains after years of specific, like traditional gender, um, like formatting. When for me, it's just like the sooner the better, honestly, like, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be somewhat awkward regardless of when you do it. So you might as well just send the email out and uh, give them some time to think about it. Personally, I don't really think it matters who sends the email. I mean, I, I have like, I feel like really low inhibitions when it comes to stuff like this. So like, I'm just going to send it regardless. Like, I'm not like, I don't have the expectation that the other person's going to send it. But I think that if you break down those traditional barriers of gender, I think that men and women get anxious and excited and shy, like equally. I don't, I don't think that, you know, one gender should have to reach out because they should be seen as more brave or whatever. I think that everyone's susceptible to anxiety. And so, you know, if you want to reach out, do it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Daily Weekly. To read more about the Michigan Marriage Pact, visit themichigandaily.com. This is our last episode of the fall semester, so stay tuned for more content in the coming semester. We'd like to say a very special thank you and a final goodbye to our wonderful, charming, crazy talented, and incredibly kind executive producer, Gerald Sill. We hope we've helped you live out your NPR dreams. We will miss you, Jerry, but we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. This episode was produced by executive producer Gerald Sill, senior podcast editors Doug McClure and Sophia Terenzio, and content producers Isaac Mintz, Kayla Zhang, Sky Lee, and Ella Price. The audio engineers for this episode were Logan Gare and Julian Chinchello. The Daily's theme song was composed by Gibson Gillette Barrons. 